Hey folks, this is Dave, and I want to welcome you to the Am I Called podcast, and want to remind you that at amicalled.com, there are a number of resources that are available to you for free. There is a free uh, assessment test that you can take. There's also material that you can purchase that helps in training, leadership training, pastoral training, and I hope you have an opportunity to, to check that out. But far more important than any of that is that today I return to a conversation with Pete Greasley. Pete is the lead pastor of Christ Church in Wales, which is in the United Kingdom. Pete's been pastoring Christ Church in Newport, Wales for the last 23 years. Pete is married to Jen, three children, two grandchildren, and he has been a dear friend of mine for over 20 years. Pete, great to have you back. Thank you, Dave. Now, Pete, you have been teaching your church for the last year on the book of Hebrews. And I know that for you, one of the things that that's done is that it has kindled a burden for the role of perseverance in community or community in perseverance. And I think that issue is particularly relevant when I think about pastoral ministry, church planting, and the desire that men have to finish the race strong and to help the people that they're called to love and care and serve finish the race strong. So talk about why Hebrews has made this topic of community and longevity come alive for you. Well, as you say, yes, we spent a, a year in Hebrews uh, teaching it through and just about to finish now. Um, the, the point of Hebrews, I, we all know Hebrews to some degree or other, but, but spending a year in it, you realize the point of Hebrews very much is to, is this writer is writing to people he knows and he loves, possibly in Rome, deeply concerned that they're either going to go back to what they came from or get drawn into the world or just give up. So the whole of Hebrews is continually with strong warnings and encouragements that Christ is better than everything. Don't quit. So the key verse in Hebrews, obviously, is in, in Hebrews 10, you know, do not throw away your confidence, uh, which is great reward, but, but you're in need of endurance. But the thing that you find in Hebrews, it's, it's, not, a, it's, it's not just an individual walk. It's, he's not just speaking individually. There is a, a corporate sense of community in, in getting over the line together. Um, so I, I use the illustration of Sir Ernest Shackleton, who went out on his expedition 1912-1913 to walk across Antarctica. His boat got stuck in the ice. They had to, 27 men had to get off the boat. All that they'd hoped to do and planned to do and intended to do, that was no longer the issue. The issue was, how can he keep these 27 men alive and through major trials and great courage, they all made it back safe. And, and Hebrews is similar to that. The, the writer of Hebrews, their, their pastor is writing this sermon, really saying, I, I want to see you there. I want you to make it. But you will not make it on your own. There's, there's this sense of you have to do it together. So interesting in, in that text that I was preaching from uh, on Sunday in Hebrews 12, where he's, he's saying, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That see to it is, is, is the Greek word episkopio, which is the same word that we would, very similar rooted word that for episkopos, which is an overseer. So there's this sense of overseeing one another. 
to be able to, as he says in the verse before, see him face to face, stand before him and make it there. So I love Hebrews. I love the way it calls on the church, not just the elders or those in leadership, but calls on the whole church to join together to get each one over the line. Do you think there's something about pastoral ministry that that allows men to think that they are exempted from community or exempted from the claim that community is supposed to make in because so much of their role involves the church? Yeah, I think I think there can be a sense with somewhere because I'm professionally for want of a better word which is a word we don't like but because uh, or vocationally am with people dealing with people um, then when I don't have to do that I back off I go into my small corner I get some respite and there's there's a time to do that um, however more than anyone pastors also need to ensure that they cross the line that they don't become disqualified. And I'm not just talking through through specific sin, but just lose heart. Uh, for me, personally, that's, that's vitally important. So what I do and have always done is I have so many people who know me, who are around me, who are with me, uh, not necessarily in roles of leadership within the church, but but I got good friends who know Jenny and I intimately and our kids intimately. And we are together as a group of friends working this thing out together. So it's vitally important. Well, when I think about you, one of the ways that I think this is so relevant is that while I think you are, you are very gregarious and I think you are a really good pastor, I also think you're an introvert. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily always draw life from being with groups of people. That you get life from reading a book, yeah. praying, being on your own. Yeah. And and yet you have been very intentional about building community, building your family into community, and uh, and making sure that that's a weekly experience that, that you enjoy. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's the guys that are that trend towards introversion that can feel like I really don't want to go there because it just exhausts me all the more. Yeah, that's so true. Um, yeah, I, I'm happy on my own. Uh, for a while, interestingly. And if I think back over the, the years, the decades, I, rem- I remember a number of people saying to me, um, you know, Pete, you, you, you'd, you're either working and you're, you're getting with people in this capacity, but you're, you're not really connecting with folk outside of what you have to do. So I would look around at different friends and they were getting together and they were hanging together and they were involved in each other's lives. But for me, it was, that was just extra work because I'm always the pastor kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> I needed to change for my own soul's sake. And also, I think biblically, a pastor is called to be hospitable, which essentially means your home is open. And not just open for running a class, but but people feel that this is a place where we can be together. So on the one hand, I think there's a, a calling, 
But on the other hand, there's a need. And so we, Jen and I, sat down and said, we, we need to change here. We need to, for our own sake and for the, for the sake of example for the church, we, we need to be drawing together people and just being with people and enjoying one another and enjoying the grace of God amongst one another, not just in a context where it it's, has to be done because this is my responsibility. So I would say for the last decade, um, and particularly the last five years, our house is full and our lives are full and that's a joy for us. In are you involved in a small group? I am. I lead a small group. All the guys in pastoral ministry, uh, we have a team at home. Everyone leads a small group. We had, we, they're, they're kind of, it's, we call it a gospel community. Um, it's about 20, most of them around 20, 25 people. That's working for us at the moment, and I lead one of those. Do you feel it's important for a pastor to lead a small group? Yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> just without question. Could he be in a small group and not lead it? <clears throat> I think it's possible, yeah. Um, I don't think he has to lead it, but I think he has to be committed to it. How do you navigate the, uh, the complexity, Pete, of being in a small group and wanting to be authentic and transparent and even lead by example when it comes to um, confessing or disclosing things and yet realizing that you're, you know, that you're in a small group of people from the church. I, I would imagine that one of the first things that uh, one of our listeners might think is, boy, I'm not sure that sounds safe. What would you say to that? It's not safe. And I'm not sure it should be safe. Um, where do I find my safety? Uh, if I find my safety through self-protection, it's a false security. Uh, I think if people are well instructed in the gospel, I think if we understand we're broken people in a broken world, but our identity is found in Christ. This is, this is who we are. This is how we see one another. And we create a culture of acceptance because of that then a pastor is able to be vulnerable and genuine and real with those people around him i think i think if you were to go home and in our community group for instance i'd love you to be able to ask them that question because yeah they laugh at me a lot and they know my weaknesses and jen's weaknesses as we know theirs but there's not an expectation of me Yet to lead by example, but not to be perfect and not to have it all together all the time. And it's a joy to have those people that I serve pastorally also reciprocating. And they pastor me as well. They care for me. I, I look to the church to do that too. So I would say um, I've, I don't want to be safe. Uh, I want to be vulnerable because that's where that's a means of grace to me and to Jen, to our family, where, where God will meet with me and change me, and sometimes more than anything else, because there'll be people there who will have no qualms in saying, what are you doing, or why are you saying that, or do you think that was appropriate? Um, that's a joy, as well as encouraging and seeing evidences of grace. So we've got to tear, and I'm an older man now, I wish I could go back and tell myself then what I know now, and say, you don't have to protect yourself. Um, they're just just keep teaching the gospel, keep bringing the grace of God as people understand it. 
No one's expecting you to be at this level. They just want you to be real. So it's not, guys, I've got my life all together perfectly, be like me. But it's, I know I haven't, but I know where to run. That's pastoral ministry for me is, I know where to run, run with me. And so if we can encourage a church to know where to run, to run to the grace of God, to see who we are in Christ, to enjoy that, then they'll expect you to do this. They'll, you'll do the same, they'll do the same, and then they will love you and accept you for who you are. Yeah, I wonder how much of it is that that leaders can can really think that community is essential for the people but more incidental for them and that they are the ones because of their leadership role that are supposed to supply through their leadership role community for others and uh, but they don't necessarily need it for themselves and uh, you know kind of gets back to the it is not good for man to be alone i think leaders can become convinced that it's okay for for me to be alone or that i i occupy this special privilege or this special place where i don't need it in the same way yeah. and one of the ways i was affected by this was uh in in reading bunyan's pilgrim's progress and just in the final scenes where christian is is crossing the river and he's you know he's going to the other side which is a picture it's bunyan's allegory of death and uh he's not crossing alone but he's crossing with hopeful i think it is yeah and uh there's a point where where christian begins to go under the water and he loses sight actually what 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 happens first is christian loses sight of the other shore yeah and it's it's a picture of the believer dying and losing a vision of heaven losing a vision of jesus and becoming so discouraged and distraught and uh and he loses sight of the other side, and then he begins to go under the water, and he begins to say to Hopeful, I've lost sight. It was never for me to begin with. You go on. You always had a clearer vision. Um, just leave me be. And in that moment, Hopeful reaches down, and mm-hmm. he he picks him up and begins to carry him. Beautiful, yeah. And And so, you know, it's just fascinating that as Bunyan is thinking about the believer's death, he embeds in the middle of that that even in the crossing of the river, there's community. Yeah, absolutely. And to get to the other side of the river, we need one another. Absolutely. I, I wonder. I, w- I wonder if it's because so often pastors think of themselves. You know, you, you think of uh, Piper's book, "Brothers, We Are Not Professionals," but they can think of themselves as the professional carrying a role, rather than what just a member of the church. You know, carrying a role, but there can be a transient nature. Well, I'm not sure how long I'm going to be here. Maybe I'll be moving on. Um, do, I don't know if I have time or want to build relationships and friendships to that degree here. Um, I think those are some of the things. That's why I, I'm always crying out for longevity, for men to plan to be there for the rest of your life, unless it's absolutely clear that God is calling you elsewhere. And then give yourself to people uh, and to be known by them as you know them. There's, there's something just glorious about that. 
And therefore, in those moments of weakness, and we get them too, pastors get them too, <laughs> of questioning and of doubts, people know you and know you intimately. And, you know, when one falls, another helps him up. And it's a, it's a sorry sight when a pastor doesn't have anyone to help him up because nobody knows him. So on our team, I've encouraged all the guys on our team, outside of the team, have a group of friends around you. Gather them. Give yourself to them. And so I think that's one of the joys. So I've got a, 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 there's a group of friends that we know very well. And so Lewis and so Bob and so John and the other guys on the team have exactly the same. Uh, it's extremely healthy because it's not just the, the, the team that you work with or your role that's going to get you there. You need people that you're living this life out with and, and who will always be there from right up until that point. So we, we talk about it all the time, myself and my friends, that you know who's going to go first and what's going to be said at each other's funeral and carry, you know, how we, who's going to look after so and so when when they're deca- when they're incapacitated, and we laugh about it, but we know it could be a reality. But that's our mentality. We are, we are living this out, and I'm just one of them. Jen and I are just one couple, mm-hmm. although we're carrying a role, pastoring the church as well. So we've mentioned uh, Bunyan's book Pilgrim's Progress, and. And you made a passing reference to Piper's book, Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. Uh Are there any other books or resources that you've seen or read that have really stirred your imagination or informed your convictions on the importance of community or on the importance of thinking about ministry long term? There's not a lot out there. I would have to say one of the most profound books that I've read in the last decade, which I love, is, is uh, Don Carson's book about his, about his dad, um, The Memoirs of, a, of an Ordinary Pastor, mm-hmm. I think it's called. I loved that book. Uh, I loved it because it's not a particularly exciting read. It's, it's not in many ways the kind of book you you walk away from saying, man, I've found so many keys and points. I loved it because for me, this is what it's about. Here's a man who faithfully gave himself to a local church, was not trying to make an impact, so to speak, as if that's all that mattered, but was trying to serve his savior and the people that he was given to. I loved that book. I want to be an ordinary pastor. And I want to be faithful in that. Um, so there's not much. There's not much out there on friendship. I'd love to. We talked about this before. I think. I think a book needs to be written on friendship, uh, and how to give ourselves and develop the importance of that. As Jesus says, "I now call you friends," and as we look at that model of discipleship and the friendship within that. So, so I haven't read huge amounts on that. But, uh, but that one book was one that, that had a profound effect on mm. me and deeply encouraged me in what I was doing. Yeah, I think uh, Mike Horton's book, uh, Ordinary, That's presses into book. these themes more so for the believer, but does a great job of uh, dissecting a, the worldview that reinforces the idea that somehow 
each day and every experience we have should be extraordinary. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of tries to return us to the rightful place of living in a fallen world and yeah. broken bodies. And then I think um, Zach Eswine's book, The Imperfect yes. Pastor, yes. is a great resource as well that I would add to the list that we're compiling here. And Zach Eswine just does a brilliant job of talking about the realities of pastoral ministry and how to define success in a local church over a long period of time, caring for people and and not having to having to draw identity from anything but the gospel and what God has has called you to be. Yeah, I think I think for me, um, my calling to pastoral ministry, if you want to put it that way, I never we've talked about this before, I never had this call we were talking about am I called I never actually asked that question I just ended up in roles because somebody had to do it and, and maybe I can answer the question after 32 33 years am I was I called possibly or have I mm-hmm. been called um, so so for me I'm not sure that that my pastoral ministry it's certainly it's it's not I'm called to pastoral ministry where can I work this out I'm called to pastor these people. If I, if it became to a place where I was, there was someone better, or, or it it was time for me to change, I'm not sure I would go anywhere. I'd be happy to clean the toilets in the church. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, I, I feel called to be with this people. Mm-hmm. I think that's important so that it's it's linked in with with the people now i'm not saying god doesn't call men to different places of course he does we see that all the time yeah it looks different at 58 than it does 38 it does um so so those are, but for me i think now i i'd really my hope would be to continue to serve here in 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 my church in some capacity uh it wouldn't have to be a vocational capacity it wouldn't have to be in the role that i am now as kind of lead pastor but I'd love to be able to live out my life there. Now, if God were to call me somewhere else, I understand that. But uh, my hope would be, I, 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 where, I, where I stand and preach from on a Sunday morning, I'd like my coffin to be carried out from there, if at all possible. There's a joy in that for me. And I think it brings a security to the church as well. We're, we're not going to change in two years' time. That was Pete Greasley, lead pastor of, of Christ Church in Newport, Wales, and dear friend of the Harveys for over 20 years, who's over here in Naples, Florida, visiting. And we had a chance to sit down and have this conversation. Pete, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome, Dave. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us for the Am I Call podcast today. Mm-hmm.